Hey, what's up, guys? I hope I'm not making too many of these, but I'm having a lot of fun making a lot of these, to be frank. So, I just got done listening to Crystal Clear's The CDC's Study Sucked, and wow, that gave me a completely different perspective on it, because up until this point, I hadn't really taken the time to look through it thoroughly, and a lot of the things that she brought up, <laughs> I've got a lot to say about. Uh, so, the first thing I want to mention is, um, I don't think the CDC study is as bad as everybody's making it out to be. I actually found a lot of value in it, uh, besides the innuendo and the, uh, and the, um, assumptions and the, uh, what you call it, uh, I just didn't really see it too much as, I think people got hung up on the fact that they didn't explicitly state Lyme. I think that's really what it was. Now, the data is starting to indicate that Lyme is associated with it, or at least the Borrelia bacterial in general, of which there are several species. But I'm not so certain it's limited to Lyme, and I really do think people focus too much on Lyme. I really do. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's as bad as everybody's saying it is compared to other diseases. I really don't. I think it's a bad disease and it causes a lot of bad things, especially if it's allowed to persist. So the first thing I want to, uh, I want to bring up is what I found in the CDC study that shocked me, completely blew me off my feet. And that is, they have this uh, phrase, it says, the filaments are composed of keratin and collagen. Whoops, nope, my bad. Okay. 23 fiber or other material specimens were obtained from diverse intact skin sites in 12 case patients. The materials were largely composed of protein, 83%, likely superficial skin. Okay, let me roll the train back up <clears throat> because I want to read this from this other study here that came out subsequently. The filaments are composed of keratin and collagen and that they result from proliferation of keratinocytes and fibroblasts in epithelial tissue. Okay, so that's obviously... Uh, two different studies what i just read there the first one was the cdc study saying morgellons fibers are composed of keratin and collagen and then the later one from uh rafael stricker and marianne melvin saying the filaments are composed of keratin and collagen i it is i thought i had no idea but there it is and uh that's pretty easy to figure out so yeah the cdc study just basically confirmed what we know now which is that Morgellons, uh, Morgellons fibers are composed of keratin and collagen, to the best of our understanding. Um, is Morgellons, I'm not going to do that all episode, I promise, uh, but I, I really like it now. It's kind of growing on me. Is Morgellons contagious? No, no. Um, but here's the thing, and here's what I am concerned about, because uh, Lyme disease... Lyme disease, I don't think it's especially, uh, I don't think it's contagious. You know, I don't think you can sneeze Lyme disease onto somebody. Syphilis, however, 
when you walk past somebody uh no anyway i'm not i think syphilis is a lot more uh infectious contagious than uh lyme disease i don't think you can sneeze syphilis onto somebody but i do know uh from case study out of china that a grandpa let his son use his razor blade and he infected himself using the razor blade for a couple weeks he developed ulcerations on his cheek and then he ended up infecting his wife and their child their child got the syphilis from grandpa and uh, grandma had syphilis too and but she denied it although she had those plaques on her skin which are typical for syphilis but anyways getting back into the world of lyme disease you know i don't know uh oh okay yeah here's here's another point on the thing that uh oh is morgellons contagious is morgellons contagious you get real sick of me doing this shit too often is morgellons contagious no i don't think so um and here's why because i think i believe based on the evidence that we have so far that morgellons is genetically dependent in the dog study uh it was particular breeds that would develop the morgellons condition and so i I don't think that people are going to have it unless they're going to have it I do think they have to have the Borrelia bacteria for those filaments to form. I have observed Morgellons in patients or uh, people, friends and family, I don't want to say that, but uh, who don't have sores, but do have observable odd multicolored filaments embedded in their skin tissue. So... I do think that that's prevalent, but I don't think that uh, everybody's susceptible to developing the debilitation, the debilitating conditions uh, that often result from carrying that bacteria. Uh, as we know, many people can go their entire lives with a infection before it switches on and then starts the attack. And I'm not sure if that isn't necessarily because of colony management because those bacteria are especially smart especially when we start talking about the language they use they're multilingual they can talk to different species i'm just all right so is morgulans contagious i don't think so no probably not but let's talk about florida california and texas where the disease was reported and then you know people when they when they go back to the 2008 the 2006 2000 early 2000s that was a wild ass time but when they go back and they think about the morgellons uh phenomenon occurring then it seemed like and i and i want to make this point this was the early 2000s okay and i don't think that many people in the late 20th century had access to affordable high power usb microscopes to even start looking at these things and if they did get their hands on them they would probably be in you know more flourishing kind of states where people would be you know they'd be first in line to get the latest equipment like the internet where they could share those findings online So when you talk about California, Texas, and Florida, 
my hypothesis is that that is that Morgulons has been around for ever since man and bacteria. But people didn't start noticing it until they started getting these microscopes and the internet to start sharing their findings. I think up until this point, honestly, like back in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, uh, people would go in with these conditions. Maybe not as frequently as today, but I do think that kids were developing uh, these sores. Maybe not uh, as characteristically But when you talk about syphilis back in 1926, it was estimated that 35% of the child, the, uh, what do you call it, reproductive age population had syphilis in America. Okay, that's a lot of people carrying around a lot of that disease. And it was especially virulent before penicillin. Uh, do I think that uh, the bacteria syphilis can survive past penicillin i do i really do i think if it's in a biofilm colony if it's built itself a habitat to survive yeah i think it could probably ride that out and i have seen some recent studies which demonstrate that that after appropriate antibiotic therapy there were colonies left they were actually mistaken as malignancies believe it or not I'm talking about the testicle, syphilis testicles, uh, mistaken as a, a cancer study. I know that Lyme disease has been found, Borrelia has been found uh, consistently in Morgellons patients. I've been bitten by a lot of ticks, for sure I've got that bacteria. But I also know that the antibody stain, that the antibodies cross-react with syphilis. If you're looking for Lyme disease and syphilis is there, then that same antibody stain could pick up the syphilis as well. It's demonstrated they cross-react that way. And often not the other way around is my understanding. So, uh, yeah, I guess I just started rambling there, but I was talking about Florida, California, and Texas, the clustering. I think the clustering was just, uh, I, you know, I don't think it was, I think it's just population. I mean, there's just more people there. They got their hands on those cheap microscopes. They got their hands on the internet. And, uh, you know, surely Lyme disease has become more prevalent, uh, but I don't, I don't think at all it's a Plum Island kind of situation. Yeah. I'm not so certain that we didn't have these infections throughout the, the greater part of the 20th century, uh, but because of the advent of penicillin, uh, they kind of laid low. And now that we're putting antibiotics in our food supply, uh, you know, maybe I don't, I need to do some research on what the effects of eating food with antibiotics because to be honest with you i would rather much rather if i'm eating you know uh, animal flesh that it not be infected with 
some kind of bacterial infection. You know, doesn't that make sense? I mean, I can kind of see the argument against, uh, you know, uh, meat with antibiotics, but uh, at the same time, those antibiotics kill the infections, and yeah, I don't know. I like what they're doing out in California by feeding the pigs uh, uh, leftover marijuana. I think that's probably pretty good for the pigs and bad for the bacteria. So, talking about the Lyme disease, uh, the researchers developed a culture method that the CDC scrutinized and does not accept. But the thing is, is that other researchers in other places across the world have used that culture method to grow Lyme bacteria in the Petri dish. And we know it's Lyme bacteria because after it's done growing, they do a PCR analysis on it and it says that it's the Lyme bacteria, the Borrelia. So it's not that they had their own case definition, it's that they just they had physical evidence that that bacteria is in there. And that kind of messed up that the case definition that's accepted is based on antibodies. And those antibody tests can cross-react with each other, Lyme and syphilis. Just, But direct detection method, you know, like culturing. Because people do cultures. I mean, you go into uh, doctor's offices and you can get a culture, typically from MRSA, not for Lyme disease. But if that technology is there, why not? That's what I don't understand. And that does make me question the validity of the CDC research. I do think people are too focused on Lyme disease, but at the same time, the CDC is ignoring a direct detection method. And that's that's obviously an agenda. And it shouldn't be. Why would it be? What's the point? We have a syphilis testing method, and there's four times as much cases of syphilis as there are Lyme disease reported to the CDC. We do need a uh, culture method for the, uh, I don't know if the Lyme culture works on the relapsing fever. I guess we got Borrelia and Borreliella now. From what I understand, the Borreliella is actually a lot worse uh, because it results in the neurological manifestations more than just your typical bullseye rash and uh, arthritic knee. So, the CDC found that the uh, Morgellons fibers were likely, uh, largely composed of protein, likely superficial skin. And subsequent research found that Morgellons fibers are composed of keratin and collagen, and that all jives. So, and another thing, the, the CDC study was inconclusive. I mean, they straight up say that we could not determine if this was a new disease. So they didn't say, well, they did uh, insinuate that uh, the somatic issues could be treated with a psychiatric. I I get that. But I mean, it was at the end of the day, it was right there in black and white. We could not determine if this was a new disease. 
So I think that strength could be drawn from that fact that that verbiage is there and that subsequent research confirmed the CDC's own findings. Uh, I think that's probably why you've got the Mayo Clinic taking their stance on it that Morgellons is a condition with multicolored fibers embedded in skin tissue instead of Morgellons is a (laughs) tragic case of somebody believing that they've got fibers in their skin which you know I thought that uh, genuinely that's what the CDC study did but having seen that and having seen the pictures in there and this is something I did want to say on this on this show was that those people they did look like they had more gallons to me they really did I mean those sores the hyperpigmented raised ridge lesions um, and even the fibers I mean, I know they said that that one fiber was cotton, but they collected 23 specimens and they said 83% of them were likely superficial skin. Uh, well, yeah, I know that the uh, cotton was in with that 83%. So maybe, you know, maybe it was just like 82% was superficial skin. You know, that jives, right? But we didn't get that. Uh, so anyways, I definitely want to thank Crystal Clear because I had no idea she was so smart. I mean... And that was just a complete and total surprise. I knew she was talented, uh, but when I listened to her rundown on the CDC, that was completely and totally impressive. I'm glad that I had an opportunity to uh, to talk with you, Crystal, and to to start my show on here. And I'm with you. I think twenty, I think the 2020s are going to be the year that uh, that we do get a cure, and and I think that cure is probably going to be some kind of new restorative technology to reverse aging and and heal heal what could be permanent damage otherwise hey if you guys like this show uh please let me know you can come on anchor and leave me a voice message i'm not going to do the uh promotions on this show in particular but uh coming down the road i guess i gotta get some music and some guests lined up uh (laughs) or some work i'm doing some school and some work and and that's a little bit of time too so you guys enjoy your week, and, and I've had fun, and I hope you all have too.